السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولقد أرسلنا موسى بآياتنا أن أخرج قومك من الظلمات إلى النور وذكرهم بأيام الله إن في ذلك لآيات لكل صبار شكور وإذ قال موسى لقومه اذكروا نعمة الله عليكم إذ أنجاكم من آل فرعون يسومونكم سوء العذاب ويذبحون أبناءكم ويستحيون نساءكم وفي ذلكم بلاء من ربكم عظيم وإذ تأذن ربكم لئن شكرتم لأزيدنكم ولئن كفرتم إن عذابي لشديد رب الشحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين I was asked to speak again and this is completely impromptu I am uh, when I'm asked to speak and you know I'm filling in the spot for another scholar another speaker uh, I typically try to, again, I, I say this pretty much every time I give a talk, I try to organize my thoughts around ayat of the Qur'an because I feel the most benefit comes from us taking every opportunity we can to remember the word of Allah Azza wa Jal. So in this relatively longer session, I'd like to talk to you about a concept mentioned in the Qur'an inspired by some ayat of Surah Ibrahim. This is the 14th surah of the Qur'an. And I'll try to focus my conversation and zoom in on some of the lessons that are central to this particular surah. Just a couple of introductory comments. This surah belongs with a group of surahs in the Qur'an that deal with a similar subject. And that similar subject is towards the... It deals with the later Meccan era of the Prophet's life wasallam. The Prophet wasallam, uh, when he first delivered his message, one of the earliest reactions to it was shock which later was coupled with ridicule and people being dismissive of his message. But eventually it transformed into something of an oppressive reaction. In other words, people who heard his message were not willing to even listen. And they were not only insulting and condescending, things started getting physical. And Muslims started getting tortured. And in some instances, even our messenger وسلم, was not spared. So the situation of Muslims was getting progressively difficult. And in this difficult time, you have to understand, you know, you, somebody just accepts Islam nowadays, they go through a lot of challenges, right? Their family is completely freaked out that they've become a Muslim, or, you know, their friends are in shock that this girl we knew is now covering her head, and I don't know what's going on with her, what's happening to her. Or that guy that we used to go hang out with and go to the bar with doesn't come with us anymore. You know, I met a, uh, in, in, back in Texas, I met a brother who became Muslim, and he's married, his wife doesn't even know yet, he's scared to tell her. He's scared to tell her that he's become Muslim. And he hangs out, he, he, she thinks he's going out to hang out with the guys. He goes to the halal restaurant and hangs out with the brothers after Aisha. <laughs> you know? And he really wants to do it because if he comes home too early, he didn't hang out with the guys and she might get the wrong idea or something. So he's keeping up appearances and eating a lot of unhealthy halal food. But um, you know, he's afraid to tell. He's afraid to tell his family what's really going on. But I mean, you have to understand that the situation, our companions, the companions of the Prophet were in is far more complex. I mean, becoming Muslim means not only does your family think you're insane, you've lost your mind, 
and that you've joined a cult, which is what they portrayed Islam as early on, you know, and dismissed it as such. But also you become socially and economically, even politically, an outcast and it's okay to offend you, not just verbally but even physically. So you've become an open target. So your, wife, your life just turned, turns around just because you accept Islam. It's not an easy thing to do for these companions. And in this very difficult time, Allah revealed a set of surahs that were there to help the Muslims cope with this difficult time. The purpose, the fundamental premise of these surahs is to help the Muslims cope. Help the, this is Allah giving them encouraging words. This is Allah giving them, look, this is why you're going through this, it's gonna pass. You know, when we have a hard time, we need somebody to talk to, to give us encouragement. This is Allah giving encouragement to, in, in hard times. And from the very beginning of this surah, actually the first thing mentioned in this surah is an address to the Prophet Alif Lam Ra Kitabun Anzalnahu ilayk li nas min ila nur rabbihim. That a book, that a magnificent book that we've sent down to you so you can extract, pull people out from darknesses into light. Darknesses is a manifestation of misguidance. It's also, darknesses is a place of discomfort. When you're in a dark place, you want to come out to the light. Allah will pull you out of any kind of darkness you're in and bring you out of light. That is the purpose of revelation. So, and by the way, in, in Arabic literature, poetry, other things, Darkness is associated with difficulty and light is associated with ease. Just like our religion actually in, its, in Allah's teachings is associated with ease, not difficulty. Allah Himself says, Yuridullahu an ankum. Allah wants to lighten your burden. Allah didn't put any difficulty in the deen for you. It's by definition, the purpose of religion is to make your life easier. Allah's guidance takes the burden off. But the Sahaba weren't feeling that way. The companions are like, our life just became so much harder just because we became Muslim. So Allah tells them it's not just about ease, it's about pulling you people out of darknesses into light from misguidance to guidance. But also all of humanity, you're on a mission. Somebody has to pay the price. Somebody has to go through difficulty so all of humanity can benefit from the guidance. The suffering that they went through is one of the reasons you and I get to say La ilaha illallah. One of the reasons we get to say Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam today. And they were being told that from the very beginning. In the last talk I told you that we're supposed to be a people of direction. The, the, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet himself ﷺ is given direction. Look, you're on a mission. You're supposed to bring people out of darkness into light and that will come with challenges. And so in that context, Allah brings up the story of Musa ﷺ. And this is a side point that I want to mention about your own journey into the Qur'an. When you study the Qur'an and try to appreciate it and learn it, understand something. The Qur'an relies heavily on history to teach its lessons. If there's one subject that the Qur'an makes a big deal out of and really communicates a good majority of its teachings through, it's through history. 
And it's through these case studies of these prophets, alayhim salatu wasalam. And Musa alayhi salam is probably the stellar figure in that, in that case study. But what I want to highlight is that they're not just mentioned as history lessons. They're mentioned in the context of an existing conversation. Allah was talking to the Prophet ﷺ and the companions about how they have to hold on in difficult times. And then he started talking about Musa ﷺ. Why? So they understand that when we learn about Musa, we're not just learning about Musa ﷺ, we're learning about ourselves. We're learning a case study that teaches us what to do. So they constantly, their frame of reference was constantly back to themselves. Now look, the surah began one of the Prophet's missions, pulling them out of darknesses into light. The ayah I began with, further down in the same surah, the fifth ayah. وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا مُوسَى بِآيَاتِنَا بَيِّنَاتٍ بِآيَاتِنَا أَنْ أَخْرِجْ قَوْمَكَ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ لَلنُّورِ We gave Musa our miraculous signs, and giving him the instruction, pull people out of darkness into light. Same exact instruction, isn't it? What Allah told His Messenger So He's being told, look, there are a lot of parallels between you and Musa. And I'll go quickly now to share the point, that the real crux of what I want to get to you at. This is all just introduction. Allah then talks about Musa and how he delivered a message to his people, and what Fir'aun, the Pharaoh, was doing to the, the believers of the time. How he was slaughtering their, their babies. It's, I mean, it's so easy for us to recite these ayat. It's kind of awkward sometimes. You know, you go in Ramadan and you know, these kids memorize Qur'an and they're reciting taraweeh really quickly. I don't know if that's the case here, but back in the U.S., all the Hibs kids we have, they all copy Sudaish and Shuraim. May Allah protect them. But they all copy them. And they're all like really low voice and they're like, they have, most of them don't know what they're reciting. And they're like, And I'm like, No dude. You can't just say they were slaughtering children. Like, <laughs> that's uh, pretty intense. You can't just kind of melodiously pass through. <laughs> they let the women live and slaughter babies. I mean, that's pretty intense. And so we just pass through these ayat. We don't even think about what's, what's being said. One child being killed. One baby being killed. It's an unthinkable crime. I mean, the, the United States and even the world is shaken by the recent murder of children. It's shaken by that news, right? And this is a policy of killing babies on a bi-yearly basis, some say. That's a policy in place under the Pharaoh. It's beyond imagination. What scene that looks like? What's, that's not even imaginable for us. I tell you as a parent, as a parent, when I go to the grocery store, you know, I don't know if you guys have that here in Canada, but they have the missing children's posters at the grocery store. I, I just start moving faster because it's too disturbing. It's too disturbing to, to think about that. If I'm watching the news, and some news comes about a child, a missing child, or some abduction, or some murder, or something, I can't take it, I have to change the channel. I can't handle it. It's too close to home. And me as a father, I'm supposed to be tougher. My wife, forget it. She'll pass out. You know? It's tough. It's not easy. But this is the situation these people were in. I'm setting the stage for you. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ was going through a hard time. I, just, I started my talk with that. And then Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ, there were a group of people before you that went through a lot harder time. They went through a lot harder time. And then Allah mentions the khutbah. And before He even mentions the khutbah, the sermon of Musa alayhi salam, He says, وَفِي ذَلِكُمْ بَلَاءٌ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ عَظِيمٌ 
ماذا قال سبحانه وتعالى أنه كان عظيما تخيلوا If Allah Himself is saying that test, that trial to the Israelites was enormous, it wasn't something small. Musa Himself acknowledges to the Israelites that was a huge trial. Allah Himself acknowledges that and we can't make light of that. That's not a small thing. And after that, Allah gives the, the, reminds the Prophet here's how Musa encouraged his people in the middle of all of that. Can you imagine families in the audience of Musa السلام, who have lost their children? This is, what, this is the reality of this passage. As Musa السلام, is giving his sermon to his people, there are people in the audience whose babies have been killed. Their, their hearts are wounded. And they're sitting there listening to this khutbah being given by Musa السلام, and what does it say? وَإِذْ تَأَذَّنَ رَبُّكُمْ لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ it's still, I mean, some say this is istinaf, it's an interjection by Allah. But even if that's the case, it's incredible. When your master declared, when he let it be known, when he let it be known, and Allah usually doesn't begin an ayah like that, that Allah made a, a grand declaration for the people to hear, because the people's hearts were broken. They needed to hear something. They needed something. And by the way, if you're in that situation, you would think, and at least I would think, that the khutbah and the revelation Allah will give at that time is going to be, be patient. The, the, the sermon from Allah will be about patience, I would think. Why? Because the situation is that of difficulty. And when Muslims go through difficulty, what are they supposed to think about? Patience. They're supposed to, what's the Arabic word for patience? Pop quiz. What is it? Sabr, that's what they're supposed to think about. Listen to the words. Allah doesn't say subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَإِذْ تَأَذَّنَ رَبُّكُمْ لَإِن صَبَرْتُمْ مَا قَالْ He didn't say, when your master declared, if you're patient, no. He said, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ Even if you were to be in the least bit grateful. Grateful? Not patient, grateful. Can you think about that for a second? These people have lost children. And Allah is declaring to them, if you would just be what? Patient or grateful? Which one? Grateful. That is the last thing on a person's mind, if they would have lost a child. But Allah is shifting perspective. Allah didn't even bring up patience. Because you can't have patience until you have what first? Until you have, you can't have sabr until shukr is there first. Until gratitude is there first. Yes, we, they lost a child. Or many children. Yes, that's true. But what do they still have? No matter what you and I lose in life. What, no matter what you and I lose in life. And we have a lot of things that we lose. What do we have? I want to stop here and not talk about the ayat for a moment. Because I really want to talk about this one ayat in this talk. But I want to, start to stop and tell you why I chose this passage. Every one of you sitting in the audience and me standing up on the stage are no different in some respects. All of us have problems. All of us. There are no exceptions. Congratulations. That's the life of this world. It's not Jannah. It's not a rosy picture. All of us. So don't clap about your problems. It's <laughs> either you have problems in family, either you have financial problems, you have academic problems, you have health problems. You have depression, you have anger management issues, you know, you have a sleeping problem like that guy over there. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I can't see you. Just, but if you woke up, the joke's on you. But anyway, so, you know, we all suffer through difficulty. That is a fact of life. 
being Muslim doesn't change that. Being Muslim doesn't excuse us from our problems or remove them from us. It doesn't. However, what being Muslim does do is equip us to deal with them. Humanity will never be free from problems. You and I will never be free from problems. If today I'm happy, you know, sometimes husband and wife, they're always fighting. They're always fighting. I mean, he comes home and he says, oh, I'm home. And she says, oh, thank God. Finally, okay, now we can live everyone. He's home. And he says, why do you have to be sarcastic like that? And she says, why do you have to be late all the time? And then it goes. And then there's exception. The except one day, I don't know what happens, maybe shaitan went to sleep that day, but you don't fight. And you're nice to each other. And you sit and have dinner together. And you even have a conversation. La hawla wa la illa billah. You even have a conversation with each other. And you're, you're going to sleep at the same time. You're actually around each other and you're not agitated. You're, the wife is not picking up the knife and thoughts are not crossing her mind. <laughs> Nothing crosses her mind. And then you sit together and you say, don't you wish every day was like this? Can't we just have every day like this? Why is it so complicated all the time? Why can't just people like this all the time? You ever have those days? Because we all do. I don't have to have the answer from you. I know you've had those days. Where you say to your wife or you say to your husband, why can't things be like this all the time? If life was just like this, oh my God. You know how nice it would be? And the moment you say that, here's what comes in your mind. Nah, we're gonna be fighting in about two hours. <laughs> just give it some time. We're gonna go back to normal. We're gonna go back to normal again. That's the thought that crosses your mind. Good things happen to you, good times come, and you immediately start anticipating, well, chances are, this is the off-season, but chances are the next major event is around the corner. You know? And if trouble doesn't come to you from the marriage, it comes to you from the children, maybe it comes to you from the parents. If your parents are desi, they're never happy with you, congratulations. You know, a significant population of the world who will never be able to please their parents, ever. You know? Except, and what's funny about parents never being happy on a tangent, by the way, they see parents, please be happy with your children, try to be. Try, I know, I know, they're a huge disappointment, I know, I know. I'm disappointed too, but just, just be happy with your kids, okay? Because you know what happens, the only time I see, unfortunately, the only time I see desi parents in this is in the house, by the way, just so I know who I'm picking on. Okay, good. All right. No, don't clap about that either. Okay, so... <laughs> the only time they speak nicely about their children is when they go away when they fly off, when they're away, when they're gone. Oh, my, job, my boy is so good, he's, you know, he's going to school over there, over there. When he comes for a week, oh my God, he's the worst creation under the sky. Then he goes away and he's great again. Subhanallah. Appreciate the things you have around you. Now, we all have problems. And you know, there's a human tendency. I'm not immune from it and you're not immune from it. You know what that tendency is? I can't stop thinking about my problems. When I'm driving, I'm thinking about the bills, I'm thinking about the kids, I'm thinking about the argument I just had, I'm thinking about the, the work problem, the project that's not finished, the assignment that hasn't been done yet, the grades at school, the immigration paperwork, whatever. But you're constantly thinking about your problems. And when you're constantly thinking about your problems that are mostly unresolved, you're constantly in a bad mood. You're just constantly upset. You're just not happy. And you know what? Our moods and our sentiments, they're contagious. So when you're in a bad mood, people around you are in a bad mood. When you're upset, the whole family is upset. You don't just say, oh, I could be upset, it doesn't matter, what's in any of your business? You are ruining the entire family's atmosphere. 
You're ruining the entire company's atmosphere. You know how much, how, now they're spending millions of dollars just to, just to discover at these MBA executive human resource seminars that if you smile at your employees and you have a positive attitude, productivity will increase. Oh my God, that is an incredible discovery. No, it's not. It's been there. Just be nice to people. It's not an MBA discovery, you know. But now, if you were, Allah says, now Allah says this so beautifully. You're constantly thinking about what didn't go right. I'm constantly thinking about what didn't go right. Oh man, I missed the flight, I did this, or I did that, or they're upset, or I didn't finish this, or I don't have enough money, or I did, you know, all these problems. Constantly, constantly, constantly. Allah offers these people, these Israelites, that are in a far worse situation than any of you sitting here. And they're stuck in it, and they cannot see a way out of it. I mean, they are in a slave situation as a people that are now controlled by a military state. And their children are routinely slaughtered. And they have been in that state for quite some time now, and they don't see any way out. They are entirely hopeless. To these people, what does Allah have to say? And if Allah is saying that to them, why isn't He saying that to you? Because He is, you're not listening. لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ Even if you were to be grateful. Now let me go into the Arabic a little bit because you can't taste this. Really. This is kalam sharti they say in the Arabic language. It's jumla shartiya. There's a conditional statement. In math class you learn if and then statements. You remember those? You get some really good sleep during those classes, right? If and then statements. So the if portion is mentioned in the past tense. لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ if you were to be grateful, not if you are grateful, because the Arabic present tense in classical language alludes to continuity, to continuity. Allah is not even asking for continuous gratitude. He's just saying, show me one instance of gratitude. Just show me one instance of gratitude. Become, if you were to be grateful once, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ And if you were to be able to do that, what would happen? لَا أَزِيدَنَّكُمْ This is Jawab al-Shart and it's the strongest, most emphatic form of language accessible in the Arabic language. There is no more emphasis possible in Arabic. لَا أَزِيدَنَّكُمْ Which roughly translated, and again, translations don't do service here. I swear to it, without a doubt, I will ensure, I promise, I promise, I promise, I will increase you. I will give you more. I will make you more. I will increase you. I will increase you. I will increase you. I promise. I swear to it. This is what Allah says. If you were to do what? If you were to do what? Just show an instant of gratitude. La azidannakum. And by the way, normally in the Quran, Allah speaks in the nahnu. Allah speaks in the plural for His Majesty. Unusual cases in the Quran where He speaks in the ana. He speaks in the, in the singular form, the first person. This is unusual in the Qur'an. La azidannakum. I will absolutely increase you. And what's even more incredible about this ayah is the verb ziyada, to increase. You see the verb increase is ambiguous. Like if I say to you, Ya Allah increase me. If I say to Allah, Ya Allah increase me. That doesn't mean much yet. Because we say, Rabbi zidni what? Rabbi zidni what? You know the dua? It's not Rabbi zidni waznan, is it? What is it? Rabbi Zidni what? Ilman. Allah increase me in terms of what? Knowledge. You have to add some specification. Some tamyiz has to be there. Increase me in knowledge. Increase me in wisdom. Wazidnahum hudan. We increase them in guidance. 
زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا The ayat increased them in terms of faith. There's always some qualifier. Increase in faith, increase in knowledge, increase in guidance, increase in patience, increase in gratitude, increase in something. But Allah says to you and me in this ayah, if you were to show one instant of gratitude, I swear to it, I will absolutely, absolutely, absolutely increase you. But he doesn't say in what? Because he didn't want to limit it. He didn't limit it. Can you imagine, subhanAllah? He doesn't say, لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ هُدًا لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ عِلْمًا لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ صَبْرًا أَمْ شُكْرًا No, no, no. He doesn't, he doesn't reduce it. لَمْ يُقَلِّلْ He didn't reduce it. He expanded it. So you ask, you just, you just be grateful. That's all Allah is asking of you. Now, let's talk a little bit about this gratitude before we finish the ayah. Because the ayah is not done yet. The ayah is not done yet. If I am grateful, what does that mean? What does that practically mean? You and I are supposed to be grateful for what? Shakiran kama yasif. Ibrahim alayhi salam yaqul shakiran li an'umihi. He was grateful to Allah's favors. His countable favors, few favors. In other words, you and I are supposed to look around for things that we should be grateful for. We are supposed to look around and look for things that we are to be grateful for. So if I can't find anything, I look at my clothes and I'm grateful to Allah for having clothes. If I'm speaking right now, I'm grateful to Allah for having a tongue that works. Eyes that can see. Five fingers on each hand. On each hand. And if you don't have five, thank Him for the three you have. Because we don't own these. I, I didn't pay anything for these. I didn't pay them. I didn't pay Allah anything for them. And the gift, I, I mention this often in my talks, a gift's value can be determined. Usually we think of value in the monetary sense. Isn't that true? How expensive is a gift? Well, gift, what's the price tag? Well, how much are you willing to sell me your leg for? What's the price tag on your leg? Okay, how about just one eyeball? Just one. I'm not even asking for both. You know, or, or, or an ear, maybe you're willing to part with one of your ears? A nostril maybe? How priceless are these gifts for you? Somebody offers you the world, and you're not willing to part with them. And these are gifts Allah gave to you and me. If we are, so long as we are breathing, so long as we are alive, there are things for us to be grateful for. In other words, no matter what is taken, no matter what, if it's a child, if it's my health, if it's my career, if it's my ability to speak, if it's the thing I love, if some of you guys, it's your car, you know, you love it, you love that thing. You really need to get married if that's your problem though. You know? But if it's taken away, and you're not able to look around and see anything you're grateful for, you're not able to see that, then you're a victim. There's no increase for you. And if you can find, and I can find things to be grateful for, Allah's guarantee, He will replenish you in anything you lost anyway. لا أزيدنكم, I'll increase you. I'll take care of the rest. You just maintain a positive attitude. You just maintain grateful to Allah. We say Alhamdulillah, but we don't mean it sometimes. You're going through problems, somebody comes to you and says, How's it going? You say Alhamdulillah. <laughs> say Alhamdulillah and mean it. I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. Yes, I just lost my job, but there's plenty, plenty more that could have gone wrong, and Allah did not do that. Allah has kept me, kept me safe from so many other problems. And how do I even know this job was going to be a source of problems for me and that the new thing Allah has around the corner for me is so much better for me? You don't know. You and I just don't know. This, uh, this mentality is built. 
constantly looking for things to be grateful for. This positive attitude is built. And you know they have these positivity seminars now. Self-help seminars. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. It really is. People come in and say, you know, feel good about yourself. You can accomplish. Wake up early in the morning. Blah, blah, blah. Now pay me $3,000 and don't be a loser anymore. You know? They have these self-help type seminars. The entire self-help program is already embedded in the Qur'an. Just be grateful. You'll be positive. You'll, be, you'll just be positive. You know? لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ But then the other side of the equation, that really scares me. SubhanAllah. And there's a mercy in that too. وَلَإِن كَفَرْتُمْ And if you were to be ungrateful, if you were to be ungrateful, now if this is an if, what's left? If you say an if, what are you expecting? Uh, then, if you're ungrateful, then what will happen? What's the incredible mercy of Allah in this ayah is that He doesn't mention a then. He left it like if, if you were, this was in a comic book, it would be dot, dot, dot. And if you're ungrateful, dot, dot, dot. He says, inna adabi la shadid, but He didn't say, fa inna adabi la shadid. If he said, فَإِنَّ عَذَابِ لَشَدِيدٍ Then that would mean, if you're ungrateful, then no doubt my punishment is really intense. Then the two things would have been connected, which means you would have been guaranteed Allah's punishment if the letter فَا was there. I would have been guaranteed punishment if we showed one instance of ingratitude. But Allah says, وَلَا إِن كَفَرْتُمْ إِنَّ عَذَابِ لَشَدِيدٍ If you are ungrateful at all, just know that my punishment is super intense even though I'm not willing to make a direct correlation for you out of my mercy. Be grateful for that at least. If you've got nothing else to be grateful for, be grateful for this ayah. <laughs> be grateful for the lack of father. Subhanallah. You know? وَلَا إِن كَفَرْتُمْ إِنَّ عَذَابِ لَشَدِيدٍ and then, I mean, you have to understand the context. This sermon about being grateful is being given to a nation that's going through horrific, horrific trials. One of the side lessons before I go to the last ayah I want to share with you, one of the side lessons, is that Allah Azza wa Jal in this particular passage spoke in the plural. He spoke in the plural. Shakartum, asidannakum, everything's plural. Which means our state of affairs can truly experience dramatic change if we can influence public attitudes. Our religion, I keep saying this to my students all the time, I don't know if it gets in their head or not, our religion is 90% attitude. That's all it is. You just have to have the right attitude. I call it, in this case, the attitude of gratitude. Right? That's what you have to have. If, you have, if we as a people have that attitude, Allah will increase us in opportunity, in unity, in, in, you know, in, in progress, in development, in finding solutions to our problems. All of that will happen if as a people, we develop a grateful, positive attitude. Attitudes are powerful things. Allah says the help from the unseen comes when the believer has, an, has the attitude. Has the right, you haven't even done anything yet. You just, shukr is in the heart, it's not an action. Shukr is in the heart, you know. And if you've just done that, then you're set. And I can't move on before I share one last gem with you about gratitude. That's in this ayah. لَمْ يَقُلْ وَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَهُ If you're grateful to him, he will increase you. No, 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 no. If you're grateful, if you're grateful, what does that mean? He didn't say if you're grateful to him. He just said if you're grateful. Which means it's not limited 
to being appreciative of Allah, if you're grateful to your parents, if you're grateful to your teachers, if you're grateful to your friends, if you're grateful for all the, all the other people and all the other you know, sources of help and blessings around you, if you're grateful for your, to your children for bringing a smile on your face, if you're grateful for your husband and your wife, I will increase you. You have to become a person of appreciation for your life to get better. And if you're going through problems, maybe you and I are just, we're not appreciative enough. enough. Maybe that's the problem. That's the, that's the suggestion in this ayah. Our mindset has to change. And now let's move quickly. What does Musa salam say? وَقَالَ Musa. Musa salam looks at the crowd. And the crowd is unchanged. They don't look like they're very grateful. They're still in a pretty bad mood. He says, in takfuru. If you remain ungrateful, it just doesn't just mean disbelieve. It, it comes as the opposite of shukr here. Right? So it means if you were to be ungrateful, antum, وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا You and everybody on the earth all together. If all of you decided all together to never be grateful to Allah again, and you decided that you're not going to be grateful, all of you, then what would Allah's reaction be? What would Allah do? Now if the previous ayah, Allah said He'll punish, His punishment is intense. What would the next statement be? Allah Azza wa Jalla says, So what? So what? He says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌ حَمِيدٌ then you should know something. There's no doubt about it, Allah is independent. He doesn't need your praise. He doesn't need your gratitude. He doesn't need your right mentality. He doesn't need any of that. And He doesn't need you to say, Alhamdulillah, He's Hamid already. He's already self-praised. He's already in and of Himself. He doesn't depend on your praise. He doesn't even call Himself Mahmud because that would imply something. Hamid doesn't imply anything. Constantly free of praise. Or praise in and of Himself, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the attitude that has to be instilled into a believer. The attitude that if we don't do our job, that's not like Allah's deen needs us. Allah's deen doesn't need me. Allah's deen doesn't need you. You and I are gonna be gone and this deen will move on. Allah will give this deen victory with us or without us. This, the, the da'wah of Islam will spread with us or without us. We are all dispensable. We are all, none of us, none of us are indispensable. None of us are special. So much so that if we don't appreciate Allah and we're not grateful to Allah, that oh, the, 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 the train won't move forward without us. You know what happens to a lot of us? The ones that are involved in Islamic work, let's talk about those that are, are involved in Islamic work. Man, if I don't do it, who's gonna do it? Oh my God, if, thank Allah for me being around. Because if I didn't teach this or... If I didn't give these lectures, or if I didn't put this conference together, if I wasn't president of the MSA, and if I wasn't treasurer of this masjid, the beams would have collapsed. I don't even know how they would have survived. Brother, you and I are gonna be in a janazah pretty soon, our own. We're gonna be attending a janazah, you know, and we are mandatory attendants at that janazah, and the masjid will be around. The masjid will be around, and the MSA will be around. The grave is, is some, some say, the, grave is, the graveyard is full of indispensable people. You know, people used to say about them, what would we do without you? They're all, they're all in the graveyard. So don't, part of being grateful is to be grateful for the fact that Allah honored us with the opportunity to serve. That's not because we're special, because Allah is giving us that opportunity. Part of the thing that Musa's followers had to be grateful for, you know what it is? Not just the blessings around them, the fact that they live in a time of a messenger that gets to give them a direct khutbah. He, a messenger, Musa is giving them khutbah, why shouldn't they be grateful? 
they get to be considered the Sahaba of Musa salam. That's an honor. So the Muslims in Makkah that are being tortured are extremely grateful now for being tortured because they are with Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa What greater honor can there be? So their attitude is not, I should be patient. Their attitude now is, I should be grateful. I'm going through a tough time because Allah honored me to go through this tough time. He didn't pick somebody else. He thought I was good enough to go through this. I get to join the ranks of the Prophet So when you and I, a lot of people, when they're involved in Islamic work, they quit when the t- things get hard. Look, when you get involved in Islamic work, there are personality clashes, there are people who say things you don't want to hear, you know, they're, they're, those things happen. And you say, brother, I, I used to help out, but I don't anymore, those people don't appreciate me. And they really test my patience, you know. Or some argument happened and I, I can't deal with it anymore, I don't, I don't deal with that anymore. Were you productive when you were there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was doing, I think I was doing a lot of good things, and we were getting somewhere, but I just don't want to be around that negative crowd anymore. Look, when things get tougher, that just means Allah is testing your mettle. That doesn't mean you quit, that means you go on. That just means Allah wants to give you extra credit. Because if it's tougher, that means Allah thinks you can handle it. Allah knows you can handle it. That's why you were put in that position. Those are not the reasons to quit, those are the reasons to go on. The problems are not things that put us back, the problems are what push us forward. SubhanAllah. I tell you something about problems. One of my favorite hadith of the Prophet I'm an Arabic teacher and I tell you, Arabic can be very painful to teach. Okay, Arabic it sounds, sounds glorious and stuff, but when you get into like sarf and ta'lilat and ajwaf and mudaaf and naqis, then you start seeing tears come down students' eyes and they don't have to do with iman. Okay? <laughs> you know? And at that time, I remind myself and I remind them of this hadith of, about learning. And speci- specifically learning the Qur'an. Because their, their patience is being tested with learning, you know. They're, they're, they've got a learning block. So the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Mahiru Bil-Qur'ani Ma'as-Safara Al-Kiram Al-Barara The expert in the Qur'an is ranked among the highest, most noble angels. The expert in the Qur'an. Al-Mahir Bil-Qur'an. So the student is listening to this saying, uh, well I'm not an expert. Thanks for that though, now I feel worse. Because the expert is ranked so high, what about me? And the Prophet goes on and says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, وَالَّذِي يَقْرَأُ الْقُرْآنِ وَيَتَتَعْتَعْ فِيهِ وَهُوَ عَلَيْهِ شَاقٍ The one who recites the Qur'an and he stumbles in it, like the verb itself, يَتَتَعْتَعْ he stumbles when he recites. And it's really hard on him, that student that can't move forward, they've got this block and they can't fix it, they can't fix it, they can't fix it. Now they're like, okay, at least does he get anything? And the Prophet says, Lahu ajran. He gets twice the reward. He gets twice the reward. Now some scholars say he gets twice what a normal person would get. Others say he gets twice the expert because Allah made it extra hard for him so he could earn twice that even the expert earns. Because Allah is not concerned with quantity, He is concerned with quality, quality of effort. So now the student who's doing the worst in class is the most motivated in class because Allah promised him he gets twice the reward for struggling through it anyway. That does not mean by the way, get a zero on your test on purpose. Like Li Yajran. That's not what that means. But if you're going through a hard time, Allah acknowledges that hard time. He acknowledges that and says, I'm going to give you even more. I have four minutes left. And because this, this talk was about positivity and gratitude, I want to share something with you about just one of the, one of the small 
gems and, and, and really jewels from the Qur'an about gratitude. The Arabic word for blessing that's very commonly known among Muslims is ni'mah. You've heard the word before, yes? Ni'mah. The word, and this is going to sound like an Arabic lesson, so pay extra attention and bear with me. Inshallah, hopefully I can be coherent in presenting this to you within 3 minutes and 47 seconds. Okay. So, ni'mah. The plural of ni'mah, there are two words. There are two different plurals for ni'mah. There's ni'am, they say ni'am, and they say an'um. So there are two plurals, there are ni'am and an'um. And in the Arabic language, unlike English, they have the singular, and they have the pair, and then they have the plural, and then they have the super awesome plural. We don't have the super awesome plural. But the Arabs do. I'm, I'm serious. This is classical Arabic. Read like the Al-Fiyah of Imam Malik. The third page says super awesome plural. No, it doesn't. But it says Jam'u Kathra. Right? So you have singular, pair, plural, and super plural. They call it Jam'u Kathra. Ni'am is a super plural. An'um is a weak plural. They say Jam'u Qilla. Af'ul is Jam'u Qilla. It's a, a weaker plural. So now, let's see if you were paying attention. This is a quiz. What is the weak plural? No, not, not all at once. I couldn't hear anything. What is the weak plural? An'um. What's the powerful plural? Once in the Qur'an, Allah uses the weak plural. Once in the Qur'an, Allah uses the powerful plural. Once each. Allah Azza wa Jal talks about Ibrahim alayhi salam. He says, Shakiran li an'umihi. Shakiran li an'umihi. Now, show of hands, was that the weak plural or the strong plural? Weak? Weak? Okay, some of you were awake. Okay, good. That was the weak plural. Ibrahim alayhi salam. By the way, the weak plural means less than 10 or easily countable. That's what that means. Allah says about Ibrahim alayhi salam, he was grateful for a few favors of Allah. That sounds weird. I thought Ibrahim salam was one of the most grateful people that ever lived. Why would Allah use the weak plural? I was expecting Allah to use the strong plural for Ibrahim salam because he was so grateful. He was grateful for so many things. Why just say he was grateful for a handful of things? You know why? Because Allah talks about one blessing. What's the singular of an'um and ni'am? What's the singular word, folks? Ni'mah. Allah says, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا if you were to try to count the, the singular favor of Allah, if you were to count the singular favor of Allah, you wouldn't be able to encircle it. You wouldn't have any grasp over it. Humanity, most people even together, can't even come up with full gratitude for one favor. So Ibrahim salam pulled off a few. That's a compliment and an honor given to Ibrahim salam. That's an honor to Ibrahim salam. But now, hey, wait, I'm not done yet. I'm not done. I have 55 seconds. This is the juicy part. I said once the weak plural is used, and once the what? The strong plural is used. Allah says, وَأَسْبَغَ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعَمَهُ ظَاهِرَةً وَبَاطِنًا Allah unleashed His uncountable, excessive favors onto you. The ones you can see and the ones you can't see. The ones that are obvious and the ones that are hidden. Meaning all of us have been showered with so many favors that it is impossible for us to count. They're not just plural, they are super plural. Ni'amahu. So when the human being thanks the best of us, the, one of the most 
most grateful human beings in history can only thank Allah for a few favors. And yet when Allah gives, He doesn't give a few favors. He doesn't say, He showered you with a handful of favors. No, 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 no. He showered you with uncountable favors. Ni'amahu. How dare you say, I can't think of anything to be grateful for. If you and I can just take out a piece of paper like this, and start making a list of things you should be grateful for. And if you do this exercise with yourself, your family, your children, you'll find two, three, four, five things and you start running out. Like what else? Did I mention the car already? I did. Yeah, so should I mention the tires now, the transmission? Should I break it apart? I can't think of anything else. I'm running out of items. But if you take another page and say, give me a list of problems. No, no, no. How about this? Give me a list of problems you have with your husband. The sister will say, do you have an extra pad? <laughs> the husband will say, I mean, I don't have time to write a book right now. Is, you know. Man, Allah hasn't given us a few favors. Allah has given us an uncountable amount of favors. And we can't even fully grasp when He gives us one. When He gives us one favor, we're not fully able to appreciate how many ways that one favor of Allah is blessing us. How many ways? This is what we have to become. People that are constantly looking for reasons to thank Allah. My last comment, I know I'm over time. I'll take one more minute, I promise. We are a people that begin our religion with the phrase, Alhamdulillah, yes? Alhamdulillah is a constant in our religion. You know what that means? You and I, pessimism is out of our vocabulary. We are not pessimistic people because we are people of... Alhamdulillah, we're always looking at the brighter side. And if you're not always looking at the brighter side, you don't really understand what it means every time you stand in salah and say what? Alhamdulillah. Because when you thank Allah, when you thank Allah, and when you begin with Allah's name, every time we do an action, what do we say? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, right? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We use Allah's name ar-Rahman. About this name, Allah says, this name is tabarak. Tabarak asmu rabbik. Right? It's full of blessings, this name. Whenever we start with Bismillah, Allah is telling us, He will put barakah in it. Yani al-khayr wa ziyadatu fil khayr. He will put so much good in it that is beyond your expectations. You and I just have to do good deeds that begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. You and I just have to be a people of Alhamdulillah. And what Allah will produce from those efforts, what Allah will bring out of those efforts is beyond your imagination. I was sitting in an Arabic class with three people in Queens, New York, 11, 12 years ago. And around three, it started with 10 people. Fourth day of class, there were three people left. And our teacher, Dr. Abdul Samir, was standing in front. And I was like, man, people, I guess they don't want to learn what will come from this little dinky little class. And Dr. Samir said, just say Alhamdulillah and let, do, let Allah do the rest. And now I look back and I say 30,000 plus people that have sat in an Arabic class with me alone. And I say, man, what a, that's not me, that's all Alhamdulillah. That's not me. There are people that, this conference, how many thousands of people are here in this conference? This started from one person, two people that sat together and said, hey, we could do something. Let's talk to these people. And how many people said, no, you won't be able to contact all those sheikhs. Oh, you got to get in a waiting list. And they're never, who are you? They're going to respond to you. Try milling them, see what happens. And these people just said, you know what? Alhamdulillah, we do our part, let Allah do the rest. Let's be optimistic and look at what Allah does. Look at what Allah does. This is not us, this is Allah Azza wa Jal. Let's change the face of this world.
Let's change the face of what this ummah looks like. Let's transform the, the teaching standards, the social standards, the ethical standards of the entire ummah. Let's uplift ourselves and let's stop being depressed. Don't be the uncle who sits down with other uncles and says, Oh, Don't be that uncle. Don't be that guy. Sounds like I had to pull out the Punjabi. You know? Don't be the, enough chai conversations, enough conversations over baklava about the crisis in Syria and the crisis in Egypt. Let's stop complaining. Let's do something. Let's help those people. Let's make this a better ummah. Let's make this a better world. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.